Step into the Wealth Elevator and join our 12,000 plus member community who have passively invested over $200 million to acquire over $2.1 billion in commercial real estate. Sign up by going to thewealthelevator.com slash club. And here we go. On this week's Investor Weekly News update for August 21st, we're going to talk about the future of cities with all these vacant offices that are running at 50, 70% occupancy were in times prior to this whole pandemic, we're running around 80% plus. So first thing first, we're talking about the global liquidity shift with all these central banks tightening up policies with rates increasing and loan to values going down. Now, the first thing here, major banks worldwide, including the Fed, European Central Bank, are cutting the money supply. After the 2008 crisis during COVID, they saw a global liquidity boost there, where the top line central bank's assets grew from grew, growing by $26 trillion. What this did, if in the second half of 2020, it was created a big liquidity surge that pushed up asset prices, and we saw over 10% inflation in America. The United States Federal Reserve is now addressing that, and this started as of June of 2022 with hawkish rate increases, and this has been going on. And I think we're finally getting to a point where we're starting to see the tail end of it. The word on the street is maybe one or two rate hikes before the end of the year. And then the next question is, how long does the Fed sort of just leave it there and pause it so it comes back? We don't know, though, when the buyers are going to come back in the market. Is it going to be early next year? Is it going to be later in the year? But at some point, the buyers need to come back to the market to push the cap rates in the commercial real estate world back to where it normally is and get back to a normal pricing environment. But this, all this is going around even in the, the European banks. They're also doing the same things. The China is also doing the same things. They're also facing slow growth, low inflation, and a weakening one. They're also seeing a lot of these issues with a declining or aging population, right? Where I think that's where America has a huge leg up on these other world powers, where America has a sort of even distribution spread, where you have the younger people that are still a big portion to do all the work, pay for all the government entitlement programs, and I don't know how much part of this is, but I do know immigration, new people coming into America, is a big part of this this trend. And this is why we position ourselves investing in workforce housing to be able to benefit from the lower middle class increasing in population in America. Now, the other thing here, the S&P 500's current trend is above corporate profits, and it's signaling a risk that there's potential for the um, S&P and all the uh, stocks that come down because right now everybody talks about the murder yoker, right? People talk about it a lot. Something that's a little bit more where the rubber meets the road instead of maybe more correlation than causation is the fact that companies aren't producing as much profit per their stock price. If anything is more tied to performance, it's how much a company is making. And that balance is getting out of whack to bit much, much more bigger levels and to a point where in the past, we've seen a break in that. So this is why I've been urging folks, right, take a look at real hard assets, especially real estate, commercial real estate, which has been beat up over the last um, year 
coming down 10, 20% off the highs there. And we get into tax data reveals large flight of higher earners from major cities during the pandemic. And this is a, I think a lot of people have been seeing this trend happening. The pandemic uh, made a lot of these trends fast forward. A lot of exodus of workers and families from major U.S. cities during the first two years of the pandemic flowed outside of these major areas like your San Francisco's, your New York's. Of course, there's been some rebalancing and replacement of that coming and re-leveling of that over the last year. The next point here, newly released IRS data shows taxable income or AGI in large urban counties fell more than $68 billion between 2020 and 2021 due to net migration alone and a dramatic acceleration of pre-pandemic leakage um, as there was already this trend of people moving outside of the busy crowded areas. Um, the rural counties benefit from most of this outflow um, of earnings from major cities and we're talking the tax revenue there where the net growth in AGI from net mi migration totaled more than 1.5% of existing residents' taxable incomes, the highest of any county type. Now, geographically, the pandemic growth regions like Florida, Texas, the Southern Triangle, and parts of the Mountain West saw large inflows of income, coinciding with rapid post-pandemic population growth. And, and income flows from housing er urban areas and towards these growth regions appear to have been driven by upper-income households in growing counties in-migrants were on average higher earners than out-migrants, where in shrinking counties, out-migrants earned more than newcomers. So basically, the kind of the higher-end folks, maybe like the white-collared professionals are the ones kind of leading this charge. And how does this impact right the cities, right? The cities is typically, you're going to have a lot of office, A-class office, and this kind of increase of remote work accelerated this. Uh, major cities like New York, LA, Chicago tried to change to adapt, but they won't disappear entirely. And we've seen a little bit of a bounce back, like I said, but they still are maintaining these key attractions and uniqueness. In San Francisco, I think another side thing is who wants to be near all these homeless people. And every other time you go into the city, your windshield gets broken with all this petty theft and crime that's going to that's gonna be going on there. So there's a little bit of correction going on in that particular city, which is why I've never really chosen to invest in a blue state like California in the first place. But at some point, you ask, when does it make sense for people to return back to the cities and then return back to the op people to come back to the offices to want to work where all these cool stuff is happening? It may be a quite a long time for that as the young professionals value networking and cultural amenities in cities while seniors seek healthcare and independence. Right now, I think even the young professionals are thinking, why would I want to be in this crappy city with a bunch of homeless people? And of course, the people in the middle, the families with the young children are less likely to return to cities due to affordability and childcare options just aren't really there. A lot more demand on that. And of course, they People in this kind of middle subsection typically go out to the more suburban areas, focusing more on quality of life for their kids than cool stuff to do in the urban areas. If you guys want more analysis, we just released the quarterly kimono report. To get more access to that, go to simple.com slash club and sign up for us there. 
And then this kind of goes into the next article here, ranking the U.S. cities with the most vacant offices. So again, you don't want to be on this list. But the long story short, more and more offices in the United States are empty. Now, I wouldn't say empty. That's what this article says. Of course, there's a lot of doom and gloom to get people to watch headlines. But the national vacancy rate in U.S. offices has climbed as high as 18.6%, which I would probably say that's, I don't know, almost double. But certainly my understanding of offices, if you're around like an 80 85% occupancy range that's pretty that's okay right previously speaking and that's definitely increased from there and it's anticipated by 2030 over 300 million square feet of u.s office space will be obsolete and what that means is you have the cool class a office and then it goes to class b and then if you're in one of these dingy 1950s 1970s types of office that's class c and it's becoming more obsolete According to the Pew Research Center, about 35% of U.S. workers can work from home in 2023 and are already doing so in this time. In short, unless trends begin to reverse, offices in major cities will stay empty or continue to get emptier. Because I've got a lot of friends and other business masterminds, and some of them are you know, providers of office uh, settings and office furniture. And what they're saying is the high-end employers who are going to typically by the class A kind of offices. These are your banks, right, who thrive off of this kind of cool office culture. They're having to invest a lot more money to make the offices so much cooler to attract their workers or force their investors back into the office. Whereas you're going to have to see a lot of the fallout in these kind of office kind of workers where it wasn't necessarily to have the coolest client-facing, call it showboating kind of office, right? Those are the people opting just to go remote at that point. If you guys are interested in to more content, also check out the YouTube channel. And we're also going to be working on the rebrand here in the next couple of weeks. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. Simple passive cash flow, the, all the green logos and everything will be going away. We're going to be rebranding to the Wealth Elevator the big reason is because the new book is coming out here in a few months. And it, the whole point of the wealth elevators, there's different floors to the elevator, right? And this kind of what I've always been frustrated with, like financial books out there is, and just financial advice in general. Is everybody's got an opinion out there, right? But there's not really anything that breaks down the different paradigms of, hey, when you're under half a million dollars, you do these things. You do this for infinite banking. You just do this for your taxes. And then when you get above $1 million to $2.5 million, what do you do there? And then what do you get when you get to $2.5, $5 million plus? And then when you get to the penthouse above $5, $10 million? This is what I break down in the Wealth Elevator. And there's, of, of course, a cool flow chart and, and chart to describe this. But this is why we're rebranding everything to be getting away from green, going to blue hues and stuff like that. Because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. You're either supposed to use red and blues, but whatever. We're trying to rebrand to make it more um, aligned with the book content that's coming out. And with that, uh, we'll see you guys next week. The proceeding is not tax, legal, or investment advice, nor an offer to sell securities or investment products. Always make informed decisions with professional guidance. Get educated and surround yourself with a community at thewealthelevator.com slash club.